Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is up, sports fans? My name is Jake Anzuski. You can call me Jake Iggy or Iggy for short. And this is Iggy's Sports Talk. So I have a very special guest on with me today, Ed Marinero, who is a former NFL player and also the actor of Marty Daniels on Blue Mountain State. So how's your day going so far, Ed? Doing good. Just finished playing 18 holes of golf down here in Charleston, South Carolina. How'd you do? Pretty good. Pretty good. I'm getting better. There we go. That's all that matters. Uh, well, I was curious because 2020 is starting to wind down, and I like to ask people this uh, every time I have them on. How was your 2020? And even though it was, it's an unprecedented time and sort of a tough year for everybody, I was just curious. What was your favorite memory so far of the year of 2020? Well, uh, fortunately, I haven't lost anybody, anybody close to me with coronavirus, which was uh, a very good thing. And, um, you know, it was uh, obviously it was tough. It was tough for everybody. Yeah, I have a son who's 18 years old, who's a senior in high school, who's the quarterback football team here, Bishop England High School. And uh, he's been, uh, you know, he was being recruited by several colleges and the whole Corona deal um, kind of threw a monkey wrench into the whole recruiting process. But we were fortunate he, uh, he got to play. We had his football season. He played seven games, had a great season. So um, things are looking good as far as him uh, playing at the next level. Awesome. That, that's great to hear. I mean, it, it, it was very tough. I mean, I mean, for me as a, as a senior in college uh, to have a few of my friends uh, last year, obviously not get to play throughout their, um, you know, playing career and, and also get everything cut short due to COVID. Uh, but it's great. It's great to hear that, you, that your son uh, is able to find a way to go on to the next level. Yep. And so I want to ask you about uh, first your, your time at Cornell, uh, because just like looking at the stats, I, I, I couldn't believe all the records that you broke, 16 Ivy League and NCAA records. And so I was, I was curious, like going into Cornell, what was your main focus going into the NFL? Not at all. Not at all. Um, you know, when I, I was pretty heavily recruited coming out of high school, I had probably I don't know, maybe 40 football scholarships to some big colleges to play college football. Uh, but, you know, I always uh, kind of, even at a young age, I knew going to a school like Cornell, an Ivy League school, would serve me well later in life. I wasn't thinking about playing in the NFL. Um, everything that happened to me in college was was a surprise. But, it, you know, it was one of those situation i was just in the right place at the right time i had a great team and you know it just uh it just happened it was a surprise i went from you know really just being one of the guys on the team uh, i think my fourth varsity game we couldn't play as freshmen but my fourth varsity game we played harvard we were 21 point underdogs and um i gained 281 yards and scored five touchdowns and uh, that was an Ivy League record for wow. yards and an Ivy League record for touchdowns. It was my fourth varsity game. Uh, my first four games of my varsity career, I, I had gained over 800 yards. So I, I was averaging uh, 200 yards a game for the first uh, four games. And it was, you know, it was. Sh- I never expected that to happen. I, I never thought about the NFL until probably when I was named All-American as a sophomore, I knew that I'd get a shot 
Mm-hmm. Even as a free agent, I didn't know whether I get drafted or not. It was kind of a, you know, sort of a healthy, natural uh, evolution. For I didn't get ahead of myself. It's what I tell my son. I said, stay in the moment. Don't look too far ahead. Enjoy what's going on now. And uh, if it's meant to be, it'll happen. So, you know, it was it was it was rather overwhelming because, you know. For Cornell, they had never had a, per, uh, a player like me. I mean, I don't think the Ivy League had a player like me um, in its history. I, you know, I was voted the, you know, the player of the era. Mm-hmm. Back I saw in that. The 90s, so that was kind of cool. So it was, uh, I think I surprised a lot of people. I mean, I think I made a lot of people uh, proud. You know, even a lot of the, the teams I played against, you know, it's, it's still a very close-knit group, the Ivy League, and I'm friendly with several guys I played against, um, you know, at Dartmouth, at uh, Yale, so it's uh, it's kind of a great fraternity to be in, and I, I know they're probably did. Um, even now when I go up to Cornell, all these young players, you know, they're sort of, uh, they can't avoid my name in, on the uh, on the walls, they had a statue of me there, and all wow. that stuff, but they know me more as Coach Marty Daniels than they do as a football so oh that's interesting well so, well, so it's, it, it must be pretty cool or it must have been pretty cool obviously in the moment like you as you said you, you didn't your main goal wasn't to go to the NFL and once you started realizing or, or showing people how good you actually were I, I was curious just just throughout your time uh, at Cornell did, did you start getting uh, a lot of publicity just just around your peers and when you walked around campus to, did sort of people know who you were or yeah I mean again in the Ivy at the time um, it, you know, it was kind of, it was Ivy League football, and, mm-hmm. and it wasn't like guys going to Ohio State, you know, the, the, we didn't have, I mean, we had, we sold out my senior year, you know, when I was on the verge of setting the national rushing record, you know, more of the student body would come to the games, I got a lot more publicity, but, you know, it was, uh, it, again, it wasn't like I was at Notre Dame, mm-hmm. um, so that was, that was still kind of cool, and then, my senior year, I was cover of Sports Illustrated, which um, wow. was kind of a neat, uh, a neat deal. I mean, that's one of the great honors that I've ever had. I mean, I look back and that, you know, it's kind of a rock star being on the cover of the Rolling Stone. You know, being on right. the cover of Sports Illustrated is a is a pretty neat deal. You know, that that kind of you know, everybody at Cornell. Not everybody, but they, they knew I was around. They knew this kid was making all kinds of headlines and stuff like that. So it was uh, it was very heady stuff uh, for a you know, 20, 21-year-old kid. You know, it was hard to, you know, handle. Mm-hmm. Way. I mean, I, I, you know, no one ever is prepared to all of a sudden have people recognize you when you walk into the student cafeteria. 100%. Losing you and you're on campus, so that was kind of uh, you know you had to really I, I had to work hard to keep myself you know grounded right. and not get too uh, caught up in all that stuff. But you know I was again I was a, a real up for the Ivy League and for the East Coast, uh, the, the North Northeast. You know with all the you know the I, I was getting headlines along with Penn State and uh, places like that. So it was. Uh, it was fun, but, you know, it, was, it happened so fast, it was a blur. Uh, you know, it's only when you look back now that you, you can kind of appreciate it. But at the time, I was, you know, I was trying to graduate from college. I, right. I was trying, you know, 
I was thinking about the NFL at that time. After mm-hmm. my senior year, I knew I was going to get drafted. And so that was something that I was thinking about, what what team I would go to. And, and uh, you know, it, it was crazy, but it was it was it was fun. Yeah, I was, I was curious. Like when, when you went into the draft, like did you have any teams in mind uh, like, before you got drafted? Well, uh, the, one of the last teams that I wanted to go to was the Minnesota Vikings, and they drafted me. So, <laughs> you know, I, I'm a New York guy, uh, New York, New Jersey. You know, I I was grew up being a Giant fan, and then I was a Jet fan. Uh, and uh, you know, I, I when I thought about the NFL, I thought about going to a big city, like going to the Rams play in LA or San Francisco and um, I, I, I didn't even know if Minnesota was in the United States so <laughs> you know to get drafted get that call on, on draft night yeah right. congratulations you're a Minnesota Viking my first thought was how they had to have flamethrowers melt the field because it was so <laughs> cold up there you know when I was when I was there I played in to this day I played in two of the coldest games in NFL history. Wow. Back, back uh, the, the seventh and eighth coldest game in NFL history. It was 35 below zero. Wow. So, uh, yeah, and our coach, Bud Grant, didn't let allow heaters on the sidelines. We just stood out there. It was crazy. Could you catch the football? Boy, it was like self-defense. <laughs> uh, it was rough. I mean, when you... When you're in the game, it wasn't terrible, but if you were standing on the sidelines and they sent you in for a play, that was brutal. That was brutal. Not fun. Yeah, definitely not. I, I mean, I, like, like I said, I go to Plymouth State University, and it's 70 degrees out right now, but I'm so used to the 30-degree weather, so I know what you're saying. <laughs> but so, you, you, like you said, you got drafted by the Vikings in 1972, and then in 73 and 74, you went to back-to-back Super Bowls. What, what was that experience like? And, like, sort of, were you pretty surprised that, I mean, you said that you didn't want to go on the Vikings, so were you pretty surprised that they, they were able to get there two years in a row? Um, well, you got to remember, this. I played Super Bowl eight and nine. Mm-hmm. Now it's Super Bowl, I don't know, 52, 53. Yeah. And the game, as the game has, the Super Bowl has certainly changed. It's become a... You know, a national holiday. I think uh, back then it wasn't the, the the magnitude wasn't there. So um, you know, and we didn't make a whole lot of money. Um, you know, yeah, you know, it was kind of cool. Again, looking back at it, you know, to say that I played in two Super Bowls is, is pretty cool. But at the time, it was you know, I mean, it was another game. You know, and um, it, it just wasn't like it is today, where you know, it's a week long. You know, Doing interviews and going to Disneyland and all that crap. Uh, it was it was just another kind of another game, and um, you know it was uh, we lost both of them, which was a little disappointing. But you know I can always say I went to two Super Bowls, but you know it's not nearly game. Uh, it wasn't the same game. It wasn't this grand event that it is mm-hmm. today. That's interesting. And, and, and sort of like when you left the Vikings, you brought up how you were a Jets fan and a Giants fan growing up. What was your feeling like when you were able to sign with the New York Jets and sort of have like a childhood uh, dream come true? It was, uh, it was exciting. You know, I, I, I played, I actually was in the first group of, of free, true free agents in the NFL. 
That's, that one that's year, there was a, 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 a lawsuit against the NFL. Um, it was called it was called the Roselle Rule, where you know if you couldn't leave and go to another team, if you if you did, the other team would have to compensate you some ridiculous amount of money. Uh, you know, two first round draft picks. You know, it was totally. Mm-hmm. You know, they just didn't want you to go from team to team. Right. But that year. Yeah, uh, I went. I left the Vikings. Went to the Jets. John Riggins. I don't know if you remember John Riggins, great mm-hmm. Hall of Famer for the Jets. He went to the Redskins. There were about six of us who became free agents, and uh, so I, I, Joe Namath, has been a friend of mine since I was in college. I met him, and he was one of my good friends. He was a just a great guy and very supportive of me. He kind of helped orchestrate the the uh, the move to the and. You know, unfortunately, I got injured in the seventh game of the season, uh, Monday Night Football against the Patriots, and I was actually uh, uh, coming off two back-to-back 100-yard rushing games uh, with the Jets, and finally they were letting me run the ball. In Minnesota, they, you know, I was primarily a pass receiver and a blocker, two things I never did in college, which mm-hmm. was, when I look back, I don't know why they even drafted me, because they, they didn't think I could run with the ball but right. anyway when I went to the Jets I got my chance and I proved to myself that you know given the ball I could gain yards and then I got hurt and that was pretty much the end of it I, I signed I got released the next year and then I got signed by the Seattle Seahawks uh, the last the seven games of that season uh, the coach for the Seahawks was the defensive line coach for the Vikings when I was there so they signed me and um, I didn't play and they offered me another contract, but I, you know, this was only the second year of the Seahawks. Seventy-seven. Mm-hmm. They they started seventy-six, so seventy-seven was the second year. I thought I'd be better off going to a team that needed a veteran running back. And I, I was, I, ironically, I was very durable. Never got hurt. Then I got that one injury in my career. So I went. And, uh, I signed with the Chicago Bears in seventy-eight. Went to training camp with them. Uh, Walter Payton one of the running backs. That's cool. And um, they, they released me. I was one of the last cuts. And then I pretty much you know, said, that was it. I'm done. And I moved to Hollywood. That makes sense. And, and sort of like when when you retired, like you said that you went right to Hollywood. So was your intention to become an actor uh, right after you retired? Yeah, you know, I, I had studied when I was, uh, I had studied acting in L.A. After I left the, the uh, Vikings, in 75 and in during that off season i signed with the jets but i moved out to la and i got in an acting workshop and i studied acting for probably three months you know i worked i was working out and getting ready for uh you know the season um and then when i went to new york i got an acting workshop for you know um, i'd go once a week and then i got hurt and then i sort of put acting on the side for a while trying to get myself back you know in shape again and then when my career was over I pretty much you know I knew that's what I wanted to do so I just moved out there I had an agent already um I had my screen actors guild card so it was a little easier for me but I and it didn't happen right away it took me a couple of years to get a decent role and um, you know I got lucky with a couple of things and I was out there for 40 years <laughs> That, that's awesome, and I, I wanted to ask you. Uh, obviously, uh, you you had multiple roles. You you uh, 
You were in a show uh, called Blue Blue Street Blues or Hill Street Blues, excuse me. Uh, Laverne and Shirley, and I, I was curious during those first uh, and also uh, Sisters as well uh, that show. Um, but I was I was curious as well before Blue Mountain State. Uh, sort of what was your experience like trying to find roles uh, in Hollywood? And you, you said it took, it took you a few years to be able to find anything. Um, I was just curious your experience out there. Well, I, you know what? I had a, uh, a, a bit of advantage because people, you know, they, you know, people, uh, producers and casting people, you know, they kind of knew who I was, mm-hmm. but you know, I wasn't like Joe Namath or, or one of those kind of people. So, you know, they really weren't going to give me a role. I sort of be right for a role, and, right. and you know, they weren't going to play my name. So, and, and I think uh, looking back, that was probably a good thing because when I did get you know my first few jobs, it was more as an actor than an ex-football player, and I think that's what served me well. You know, throughout my career, you know, Hill Street Blues was at the time the most honored tv show in history i mean we were we won, we were nominated emmys it was a break breakout kind of show very gritty unlike anything that on tv at the time you know we had like charlie's angels and chips and then along came the gritty show where you know, they were you know about real it was about cops who were people and they explored the person these these cops and, and law enforcement loved the show. they loved us they still do you know people from that era um, and that was sort of gave me instant credibility uh, in Hollywood they they forgot that I was a you know a football player it was you know they were you know considering me as an actor so that was um, that was good that was very satisfying to be part of a cast of really really talented people and here I was you know, three years out of the NFL. So, yeah, that must have been a pretty cool sort of experience for you. It was kind of funny as well. Uh, when I actually told my mom that I was talking to you today, she actually brought up the show uh, Hill Street Blues. She's like, "Oh, I actually remember him in the show." And then when I told told all my friends, like, "Oh, Marty Daniels, I love him." <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's a that's a good thing that um, you know, I, I one one thing that's kind of unique that at this stage in my career. My fan base, if you will, is goes back to you know the '80s, and now I have a whole different set of group, like guys like crazy guys like you, who uh, you know love Marty Daniels, love Blue Mountain State. I mean, I, I probably recognize. Well, remember back when Hill Street Blues was on, there were only three networks. There was no such thing as cable. There was ABC, CBS, and NBC, and if you weren't watching. Street Blues at Thursday night at ten o'clock. You only had two other options in the local news. Right. So, so it was the the, the exposure was pretty pretty intense. Um, but it was it, you couldn't uh, you know binge watch the show. It was on once right. a week, and you had to watch it when it was on. And you know, then they had uh, all these different. You, you could record it mm-hmm. whenever, but not what you could do today. Right. And and. You know, it was, uh, it was it was very different. And then when, you know, over the years, everything evolved. And here we are in, you know, in, in the 2000s. And, you know, they put Blue Mountain State on Netflix. And it was introduced to a whole different audience. The kids who couldn't watch it 
when it was first on, you know, mm-hmm. these, you know, like my son, all his friends were like, you know, seven, eight years old when, when the show was on. And then, you know, now they're like 16, 17 in high school right. and they're binge watching it on, on, on Netflix. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's, it's a whole different audience uh, right. that, that we're, we're you know, that I, you know, deal with today, which is kind of fun. You know, my, my, from Blue Mountain State, the range of, of uh, fans is probably 16, 30. Makes sense. Because the kids who were in college when the show was on, mm-hmm. that was 10 years ago. So they're 30 years old and older. And it's, it's funny because they come up to me all the time and it's like, you know, it was such a cult following, had a cult following and every kid... You know, college. I mean, I've had people. Do you remember? You know, ever hear of a golfer, Michelle Wee? Unfortunately, I haven't. Okay, she was. A, she's a really fine P- LPGA golfer. You know, very popular. And I, I remember years ago, I was playing in a pro am, LPGA pro am, and she was one of my. She was my partner, and you know, I was all excited about playing with her. And I go up to the first tee, and she comes up to me, and she goes. I was so excited when I heard I was playing with you. Oh my god! I watched that show with the football players because she went to Stanford. We watched every, every Tuesday night. Yep. She said, "Would you uh, would you take a picture with me?" <laughs> I wanted my picture with her. Right. So uh, you know, it was, it was it was it's it's been it really has been a lot of fun, you know, with uh, with this fan base of. They, I don't think they could make the show today because it was you know it was so. very. Yeah, it was crazy, you know. There was drug use. Uh, the, the women, although if you looked at the women on the show, they usually got the best of all those dumbos that you know the, mm-hmm. the football players. They, they yep. came off like a little bit, you know. They, they were being used and abused. They were abusing us more right. than we were abusing them. So that was, that was kind of a subtle difference. But you know, the drug use was was over the top, and and I think you know. Uh, I think that's one of the reasons we didn't do a second movie because we were we were all set to go. Mm-hmm. It just you know I was under contract. I knew what they you know they signed me to a deal to do this movie, and then radio silence never heard about it. And I think it was because you know it just wouldn't. Everybody was afraid of being you know uh, attacked for political incorrectness. Makes sense. The drug use and mm-hmm. that was opioid epidemics really started so they couldn't very well have got their face in a bowl of cocaine <laughs> you know, on television right it was funny but you know it was it was it was uh it was farcical and and but you know it just things in the last you know three or four years i think our our, our society has pretty much lost its sense of humor because everybody's so sense about everything you can't laugh at yourself anymore you know mm-hmm. so it's a it's a different world i'm glad you know i'm a an old guy and i'm going off into the sunset enjoying my life so uh, you know it's a different world exactly i completely agree with you that's that's another reason why i, why I don't think the office uh would be able to be aired as well no yeah there are there are a lot of shows that you know mm-hmm. that you look back i mean hell you you could you could find a reason to, to, to ban the repeats of so many shows mm-hmm. that were on in the last 10 years. And, um, you know, I guess, you, you know, you used to be able to laugh at yourself a little bit and not take everything so seriously. But, 
you know, I, I understand it, and there's got to be changes, but it's, you know, it just changes. Um, we're just, you know, we're too serious about everything, you know, and I understand where there's issues and have to be addressed, but, you know, you can't, you can't be so extreme that, that nothing is funny anymore. And nothing is funny unless you're, it's mean-spirited funny. I completely agree. Yeah. Right. So. And, I, and I, I was curious, um, like when you heard about the show and when you heard about the role of Marty Daniels, like when you when you read when you read about it, uh, did you sort of laugh at yourself and you were like, "Is is this actually serious? Like th- this is going to be a show?" You know what? I got to tell you, I was. Um, most actors will tell you, comedy. You, you really want to do comedy. Comedy's fun. The doing the comedy when you're actually working and doing it is fun. Drama is not fun. You know, mm-hmm. you're, it's drama. Right. So you, you, you know, but when you're doing a comedy, you know, you're 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 having fun doing it, and you're you know you're trying to not to laugh when you're mm-hmm. doing it, you know, and and it's so absurd that you you know it's just kind of it's just fun to do, and everybody wants to do comedy. So when I read this and I saw the coach, and you know, I I I, I can't even remember what I thought. Um, when I thought what I thought when I read the script, it just it just you know that opening speech that I do in the pilot, where you come from your father's balls and stuff. It's just, you know, I'm, I'm just, oh my god! You know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking my mother will not be able to watch. It. You know, I, I, you know, people, my family, it was so raunchy. <laughs> right. That, you know, I felt like I was doing, um, you know, I thought I was doing like something, some porn mm-hmm. at that time. So. It was, but it, it was a ball. We had a great time, and um, you know, I'm glad. Uh, I, I feel very fortunate that I got a chance to do it. And you know, it's uh, it was a good, it was a good gig, and I'm just sorry it, it, it ended. I'm gonna walk over here. My phone is gonna die, so I'm gonna plug in. No problem. Um, yeah. So it was. Uh, Now that, uh, again, you have the streaming networks, I think it's on Amazon Prime now, so... Right. Um, well, yeah, it's, it's yeah. funny how you brought up the whole binging part of it, because the first week of my freshman year, I, I binged in three weeks with, with some of my friends, and then we watched the movie right after. They're like, oh, you haven't seen the movie? I'm like, there's a movie? Uh, but, but it's funny how, how you brought up how, how you had a great time being able to film it, and I, I was curious, sort of, like, your relationships uh, out, outside of the show, uh, working with some of, with some of the uh, big characters who played, like, Alex Moran, uh, Thad Castle, uh, and also Sammy as well. You know what? It was uh, again when you're. We, we shot the show in Montreal, mm-hmm. and that was a great place. I mean, it was it was great. We we got to go up there for three months a year. We went June, July, and August. Um, you know, being uh, out of our you know normal environs. You know, not being in LA, we, it was an escape, which sort of added to the you know the fun part of it. And you know, we we became very close because we were. You know, all we were out of the country, and we were all together. So that was, um, you know, that that made it, um, you know, a little bit more special. But you know, they, these guys, they're there. I still communicate with them. You know, I'm I'm living down in Charleston, South Carolina now, and they're all, you know, in LA. They're still young guys working and working at their careers and stuff. And you know, we've done a couple of virtual kind of autograph shows and stuff like that. So. That's cool. 
we get to catch up and you know they're they're great guys and you know they're you know they always make fun of me because I'm the old one but <laughs> used to that but yeah it was a it was a good group we had great producers and a great writer i mean it was it was a funny show i mean there was some right. crazy but it was also very clever and you know clever is 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 a word you they hear a lot. I mean, you hear the word, but you don't know what it means. And, you know, this, this some of this stuff was just so freaking funny that even somebody like me, and it wasn't targeting my demographic. It was, I would, I look back at it now, you know, I don't, I haven't watched it in, in a long time, but I know my son, you know, he's, he didn't watch it. And they, you know, some of the stuff we, so, so funny, just uh, clever, funny word, you know, <laughs> It was great. I got I to ask you about the uh, oil change. Because, like, w- once you heard, once you heard, saw that in the script, like, what was your first thought? Like, now anytime I think about, like, uh, athletes getting tested, like, that's the way to get out. <laughs> well, that, that's the kind of thing. It was absurd. It was right. absurd what they were, what they were doing. And, and it was just funny. I mean, it's just funny stuff, you know. And it, and it, it, it resonated with the audience it was meant to you know, Target, you know, these college kids back then thought, I mean, I think college kids today, you know, this, this, this show was on 10 years ago and college kids just loved it. Mm-hmm. College kids today love it. You yep. know, it's, it's, it just hasn't changed. It's, it's sort of like, um, it's kind of like Seinfeld. I agree. You know, I, mean, I, I, I watch episodes of, you know, I, I get on my different feeds I get they always have little funny scenes that they do from Seinfeld you know little one two three minutes I watch them because I remember how funny it was you know you never get tired watching it and and I think Blue Mountain State is going to be something that you know if it's something that you'll love for the rest of your life you'll laugh at that up and you'll remember you know it'll bring back memories to a whole generation it was such a cult show, but you know, um, you know. I, I'll give you an example. I, I I have a friend whose son played on the um, South Carolina club. Um, I think it was the lacrosse team, and he asked me. My buddy asked me if I would do a video, a pep talk for the team, South Carolina lacrosse team, mm-hmm. and they were in Clemson. So I did the whole Marty Daniels. Thing, you know, uh, you know, uh, you're playing Clemson Tigers, huh? How about the Clemson Pussies? You know, like the whole thing. And they posted it on Instagram, and it got two and a half million views. Wow! And six thousand comments. Now, wow. that's crazy mm-hmm. for a guy like you know, who, who's all these young kids. I mean, it, it shocked me that you know I. So, you know, I, I, it was uh, <laughs> it was just strange again that that uh, this would kind of resonate so strongly with with this generation, and you know, it's pretty it's pretty cool. It's just- 
I completely agree with you. I mean, because like, even when I told a few of my friends uh, that I was going to be talking to you today, they're like, how? They're like, no way. And like, even, it was funny enough, I, I was actually at the bar uh, when uh, you connected with me on LinkedIn, and I, I, I like freaked out. I was like, oh my God, Marty Daniels just connected with me on LinkedIn. This is incredible. Well, I also didn't only want to hear about Blue Mountain State. I, I was really also curious about your NFL career as well, uh, because... Me, me, myself. I honestly didn't know that uh, they used to play in the used to play in the NFL. Yeah, I know most most people don't. Um, no, no, no. The fan base, you know. I again, these when I I went up to Cornell and I, I emceed their awards banquet, and you know they they knew they knew a little bit about my career, but they didn't know I played in two Super Bowls. They didn't know any of that stuff. They just mm-hmm. wanted to picture taking with Marty Daniels. So, um, yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm schizophrenic. <laughs> but, you know, the NFL was... Fortunately, I had another career that I did very well in. And, you know, I, I'm, I, the NFL, you're, you're, obviously, you have a very short lifespan in the NFL. So... I, I, I'm glad I was able to do something again that was, you know, as ego gratifying as playing in the NFL. You know, maybe more so, you know, and 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 you know, whatever my be, you know, it's uh, I'm proud of it. I, you know, I had two different careers that were successful, the careers mm-hmm. that are not easy to be successful in. Mm-hmm. You know, and look back that you know I. I graduated from an Ivy League college. I played in two Super Bowls, and then I really wouldn't had a whole separate forty years. And uh, you know, it's, it's personally satisfying when I reflect back, uh, at, you know, my life and you know what I've done. I'm, I'm pretty proud of it. You know, I know my son is proud. You know, of, of what I've done, even though he doesn't show. He's, he's uh, you know, he's, it's. Uh, it's good. It's satisfying. I have no complaints. And I'm st- yeah, I mean, it, it seriously has been an incredible journey for you. I mean, even when I was explaining to my friends sort of like what you did at Cornell uh, with all the records you broke, they couldn't believe it. Uh, but I just wanted to ask you one last question just about Blue Mountain State. Uh, I, I was just wondering if, if there was um, any scenes uh, dur- during your time acting throughout the show that were very tough uh, for you to go through. E- either you couldn't stop laughing or it was, it was just... Uh, of such a funny scene. Well, I think one of my favorite scenes was when I got to make out with Denise Richards. That was kind oh, of yeah. fun. <laughs> there you go. I bet. <laughs> no, it, it, you know, it was, um, it was, it was uh, you know, we, we did a lot of football stuff on mm-hmm. the field, which, which was kind of fun to orchestrate again. And, you know, I, I served as a technical advisor on a lot of the stuff, you know, um, not, you know, they wouldn't do better. We, we, this is what do it and stuff like that. And that was that was kind of fun. But you know, um, just just being out there on the football field kind of brought back memories, which was kind of cool. And obviously, very different than when I was playing football. You know, just the way that the game is coached and played, and so I had to kind of. Um, get myself more familiar what a college football coach would be today as opposed to when I was playing, you know, and the way the game coached to the game was 
was different. And, you know, I wasn't one of those spoiled football players. Um, even in the NFL, you know, I mean, when I played in the NFL, when I played for the Vikings, at the beginning of the season, they would give you one pair of shoes. And if you wanted another pair, you had to pay for them. That's crazy. It's crazy because you, you every, every player and every freaking team probably has 30 pairs of shoes in his locker. Right. And we had two. <laughs> so it was, it was like, that. that's ridiculous when you think about it. You know, we weren't, we weren't bait. We didn't make a lot of money. Um, and, and, and I think that was a good thing. Because if you look at our generation, you know, the 70s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, they, these guys all knew that when their careers were over, they'd have to get a job. Mm-hmm. The great thing about being a player in the NFL was it made it easier for you to get a job because people wanted to hire an ex-NFL football player. Right. Okay? Um, but we didn't have that money where we knew we, we were done. You know, I wasn't making $10 million a year. Mm-hmm. So it really was was very different and, and you know I played against guys and with guys who went on to be doctors and lawyers and, and you know uh, Alan Page is Minnesota Supreme Court Justice he's in the Hall of Fame you know so, so guys were motivated in a way back then and, right. and it, it was a, the greatest generation sure when it, NFL you know guys the, the one thing the most valuable asset you had was your reputation and goodwill and if you did something stupid, like got arrested or got busted for something, you were pretty much no one would hire you. So you're you were very protective of, of that stuff, and you didn't see a lot of guys doing the stupid, crazy do today. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, certainly guys mismanage their money, but for the most part, you know, we make enough money to mismanage. So um, you know, we were much more conservative. You know, nobody was driving Maserati. I, I, I pulled up to Minnesota with a purple Porsche. Oh, shit. There you go. <laughs> which blew the minds of guys with their pickup truck station wagon. Right. Uh, yeah, it was it was a different time. I'm, I'm proud to have that played in that era. And and you can understand why, God, you know, the old-timers have a little bit of difficulty relating to the today and their attitudes and, and, and whatever they, they feel very entitled and and you know I'm, I'm just shocked with, with the, the stuff that these guys do to jeopardize all this money and and you know they're yeah, one hundred percent. I, I mean, for for me, it's it, it's very interesting to hear sort of your experience uh, from the different times. I mean, I mean, mainly sort of what you talked about with the difference of how popular the Super Bowl is. Uh, and I had no clue that uh, that the Super Bowl that that you played in, uh, you said was like Super Bowl eight and Super Bowl nine. Um, and also, like what you said about the free agency, I I had never heard of that before. So I it's 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 really interesting to hear about the differences. Um, that, especially how the NFL that you played in and now that we're watching right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, again, being an NFL player just uh, gave you an advantage when your career is over to get a job. Mm-hmm. But everybody get a job. We had guys who worked during the season. They would go to the job in the morning and then come to practice in the afternoon. Our wow. kicker, Fred Cox, was a chiropractor. And, and he would come around before the games and knock on our rooms at the hotel and give us adjustments. 
Wow. You know, it was like, it was crazy. And, you know, people worked selling cars. Um, you know, so we, we, we had to be, you know, we were, we were normal people. We didn't live in big mansions. I, my first apartment in Minnesota was 185 bucks a month. And, uh, yeah. That's super interesting. Wow. I, I mean, I, I didn't know any of this before, and, and you know, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show, Ed, and really taking the time to not only talk about your NFL career, your experiences, uh, also, also with the differences between the NFL uh, back then and now today, but also explaining uh, your experience on Blue Mountain State as well. Well, I'm glad. It's nice to meet you. I, I, I admire your, your, your uh, tenaciousness to get in, you know, contact. You know, I like to... You know, it's always fun to talk to people like you, you know, who are working really hard at something. And, and I hope you're going to be successful. I'm sure you will. Just don't forget about me when you become really famous. Definitely, right? definitely not. Never. Never. All right, buddy boy. I, I really appreciate you coming on. And I wish the best of luck to your son as well um, in, in college. And I hope to hear his name over, over the microphone at the podium at the NFL draft soon enough. All right. Well, I hope so, too. All right, All right. buddy. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.